going to turn down a junior mint? It's chocolate, it's peppermint, it's delicious. <laughs> everybody if you will um we didn't pass out guides but we do have an electronic guide um i've been told some people that depending on which uh which uh, carrier you have you may struggle a little bit with that. i apologize for that hopefully in the next coming weeks we'll be able to get back to handing you guys some notes and stuff but if you do and if you can let me encourage you to go on to cot lakes i can get it out cotlakes.com which is our website and then go to the menu and there's something called an e-guide and so this will kind of guide you through the service and give you an opportunity uh, to interact a little bit. Sermon notes are here, those kind of things. First one says, first time guest. So if it's your first time here, welcome. Uh, we turned on the sauna just for you this morning. You're welcome. No, I'm just kidding. No, they're having some struggles with the AC. They promised me it's supposed to be fixed next week. So just so you know. So we'll, we'll do one more week of uh, old school church. Come on, anybody remember? Bring a fan. Yeah. Um, but if it's your first time here, would you hit that first time guest button and give us a little bit of information about yourself so that we know that you're here and, uh, and we're really glad that you are. Today is Life Steps. Let me give you a couple quick announcements. For those of you who have not been through Life Steps, I'm going to push hard for you to come join me in Life Steps right after this. We're only taking about 45 minutes of your time, but we want to take you on a four-week journey that I promise you is going to help you to go further faster in your faith, right? Say that five times, further faster in your faith, okay? That that, uh, that, that is our goal, to get you on this journey. Uh, don't forget, youth group is back in, so youth, you guys tonight... Purple Books at 5.30, Youth Groups at 6.30. For those of you who want to invite someone, our online campus has started at 6.30 on Sunday nights. Uh, we put the service on 6.30 to give the opportunity for people on the outside. Last announcement is this, Leesburg High School graduation. They reached out and asked us if we would help them with volunteers. So if you can help us volunteer for graduation, that would be amazing. It is June the 13th. Uh, it is in the morning, so there's a little bit of conflict because there's some girl, some of us know, that's getting married that afternoon or something, but just kidding, Lizzie, my assistant, I'm marrying her that afternoon, so uh, we're really excited about that, but uh, you should have time to come and serve here in the morning, so get on the website, if you will, check that out, get on your phone right now, you can sign up right now. I am stirred, if you can't tell, <laughs> from, from uh, this week and uh, the happenings of, of what's going on around us. And so God stirred my heart about, about two weeks ago to switch what we were doing and, and, and what I had put on the calendar to a study of a book uh, that is in the Old Testament called the book of Daniel. And for those of you who are not familiar with the book of Daniel, um, basically it's an interesting book because uh, Mr. Wally hit me up this week and he was like, I've been reading it and I've been reading about the dreams and prophecy and you know all this stuff. And there's some really kind of interesting, weird kind of prophetic things that happen in Daniel. That's really not where we're going in this study. 
Where we're going to go in this study is more the historical side, because here's what I would say. Daniel, the book of Daniel, is a historical book. Here's the story, and most of us know the stories thanks to Veggie Tales. Right? You remember all the vegetables and, and going into the fiery furnace and all that kind of stuff? Um, and so we remember Daniel, the lion's den and the fiery furnace and all these things. And those are all in this book. And they're historical, but I think they're prophetic from the standpoint of it looks just like today. Like we are living increasingly more and more in a pagan culture. Would you not agree? Right? The, the culture around us is shifting. And here's the question, how do we respond to that? Like, how, how do we actually deal with that? How do we respond? How are we going to, and, and, I, and I would say it to you this way, how are we going to stand, like stand, like stand firm? How are we going to stand and love in a culture of compromise? Like, what does that look like? Most of you have probably found yourself in a situation where somebody has challenged your belief. Where they were like, yeah, well, I think this or I think that. I remember I went to Florida State University. And um, we, by the way, Florida State has an amazing basketball program. Did y'all know that? We have a great basketball. It's a really good basketball school. I just want to say that before we get into football season. Anyway, um, no, but, but when I went to Florida State, I was a biochemistry major. And I went to biology and I got this big thick. And in, in the... In the um, in the packet, in the notes, it gave all these pages of evolution and all these proofs and Haeckel's diagram and all this stuff I could talk about. And then there was one page front and back that was a creationist point of view of what it might look like. And I wish I still had it. I would love to still have it so I could show you I'm not making this up. But it said in my notes at Florida State University, creationists still believe that the earth is flat. And it was the first time that Mike had the opportunity to get out into the world, out from under mom and dad, and out from under the church, and the way I had grown up, and the way I had been brought up, into this world of other ideas. And I can remember sitting there feeling completely overwhelmed because I didn't have a response. Anybody ever felt that way? You ever felt that way with somebody that they bring you something and you're like, I'm going to call Pastor Mike. I mean, you know, like like you don't know what to say, or you you following me? And listen to me, Paul tells us, and he's talking to you and me, we need to be prepared to give an answer for the hope that we have. Like we, we, we have to do this is, this is why we're here. And so I want us to study the book of Daniel because Daniel, Daniel did that somehow in the midst of crazy times and in a crazy pagan culture, he did that. Let's jump into Daniel. I'm going to start right at Daniel one verse one says this, in the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, their mamas didn't like them, right? You know what those names? Anyway, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. Now, check this out. Listen to this. And the Lord delivered Jehoiakim, the king of Judah, into his hands, along with some of the articles from the temple of God. Who delivered him? God did. Here's what, here's what I need you to hear. Listen to me. God is in control of who is in control. Even if it's a Republican. Even if it's a Democrat. Even if it's some wacko that you look at and go, there's no, there's not a moral bone in their body. And the reality being, listen to me, God is in control 
of who is in control. So there's a balance, and we're going to talk a lot about balance today. There's a balance in this election year. Aren't you excited about the election? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Please, Jesus, come back before the election, right? Because we get so crazy. Listen to me, there's a balance. There's a balance for God's people to understand. Yes, I need to vote. I need to be politically active. I need to take my biblical values and put them into this scenario. But should God so choose, because he chooses, because God's in control of who's in control, then I will not keyboard courage my opinion for the next four years. Got quiet up in this Presbyterian church. But I will honor, as we're going to see Daniel honor. Watch this. So the Lord delivers Jehoiakim into the king of Judah into his hands, along with some of the articles from the temple of God. These he carried off to the temple of uh, his God in Babylon and put the treasure, uh, put in the treasure house of his God. In other words, he took God's treasured articles, the things out of their worship, and they put it into their pagan temple. Listen, then the king ordered Aspenaz, that's another guy, mama didn't like him, Aspenaz, chief of his court officials, to bring into the king's service some of the Israelites from the royal family and the nobility. So they bring all these people to slaves. Listen, the whole, the whole people of Israel are going to go into slavery or captivity or exile, maybe the words that you've heard, the biblical words. And they're going to go, they're captured and they're hauled away. And they're put as slaves, but they're going to take the royal family and some of them, you know, that have been educated and kind of have higher uh, abilities and all, and they're going to put them to work for them. Check this out. Young men without any physical defects, handsome, showing aptitude for every kind of learning. You're thinking about your pastor right now, aren't you? Um, you don't have to laugh that hard. Um, showing aptitude for every kind of learning, well-informed, quick to understand, and qualified to serve in the kingdom's palace. He was to teach them the language and the literature of the Babylonians. The king assigned them a daily amount of food and wine from the king's table. And all God's people said, amen, right? You're like, yes. No, 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 listen. This was food that had been had been given to pagan gods. This is This is food. All this food defiled what they were supposed to not eat. Right? So this was actually kind of an in-your-face scenario. It wasn't, wasn't good for them. Listen, we're going to talk about what culture does to us in just a minute. They were to be trained for three years, and after that, they were to enter the king's service. Among those who were chosen uh, were from Judah, were Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Okay? So these four guys, and you know them, and most of us know them by their Babylonian names. We're going to talk about those in just a moment, right? Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego, right? Daniel 1 through 7, listen to this. The chief official gave them new names. The the chief official gave them new names. To Daniel, the name Belshazzar. To Hananiah, Shadrach. To Mishael, Meshach and to Azariah Abednego. I want to say this to you this morning, and this is what we're going to have to do, is if we're going to be the people of God in the middle of a culture that is compromising and yet stand up for who God has called us to be, we need to recognize what the culture and enemy is trying to do to us. And here's the first thing I want to say to you. Culture or the enemy wants to change your identity. Wants to change what you call yourself, who you are, right? I've been criticized a few times in my parenting practice because I have said to my children, 
Don't you go out there and embarrass me and make a fool of me. I've worked my butt off to try to make the Matheny name mean something in this community. Right? And I've had some people go, oh, it's all about you. No, 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 no. The Bible says a good name is to be prized higher than gold or silver. I remember my mama, come on somebody. I remember my mama looking at me and saying, look, I trained you better. So if you choose to be stupid, you stand up wherever you're at and say, my mama trained me better. I'm just choosing to be an idiot at this moment. I never did that, but I should have on numerous occasions. Listen to me, the culture and the things around it wants to give you a different name. You were given a name at birth. And that name may or may not mean something in a community or to a group of people. But here's what I do know, and I say this especially to our young people. All along the way, the the, the culture is trying to give you a new name. It's trying to redefine you. Well, I, I, I tried to redefine myself in college. I joined a fraternity, right? Because that's where you learn how to be a man. And it's amazing to me because if I talk to my fraternity brothers and I say, hey, and they're like, yeah, what's up, Matheny, blah, blah, blah. So what do you do now? I'm a pastor. They're like, yeah, that's hilarious. What do you do, bro? Because that's not what they knew of who Mike Matheny was at that moment. I went back to my 25th high school reunion. And ran into some people. And, and I was amazed because in my mind, I'm still thinking of my past and thinking the way I was defined and the name of who I was before. And ran into a couple people that said, yeah, I remember in high school, you were always so kind. And I, and I was like, what? But the new name that, that I had been given and taken on in college had overrun a name of who I had been before. Listen, around you right now, all the time, you're trying to be re-identified. And, and you've got to understand that that is something the enemy is trying so hard to, to, to do inside of your life, to, to redefine who you are. And I need you to hear this, this this morning. God has a name for you. And you have a choice. You have a choice whether you're going to take on the name that the culture is trying to give to you or you're going to take on the name of who God has created you to be. Look at the names that they changed, and it kind of helps us to play this out just a little bit. Daniel, the the name Daniel, means God is my judge. But they changed it to Belshazzar, listen to this, it means lady protect the king. They gave him a girl name. So I'm going to say this to you. Go back and do the research. In every pagan culture that we've ever had in the history of of our world, There's been gender identity issues in every culture. Trying to redefine what God says you are to something that I feel or choose that's different about who I was created to be. Look at at the other names. Look at the other names. Hananiah means Yahweh has been gracious. Oh, that's a, that's a praise. That's God. You're so good and you're awesome. That's, that's what that means. But they changed it to Shadrach, which means fearful of God. From glory to fear. And, and how many of us, the culture is trying to change us into a place of fear. Boy, we saw that really play out over the last several weeks, didn't we? And I don't know where you fell with the whole COVID crisis. The whole global pandemic. There's a number of you that are like, oh, this is so stupid, it's conspiracy. Rah, rah, rah. And then there's a handful of us that really battled with some serious fear. 
and some concerns and some struggles. And, and, and we heard, and what was it? It was culture. It was media coming at us with all kinds of information. You know what's amazing about all that information? Is that all that, that all that information is paid for. Do you know that, right? Like whatever is going to be the most sensational, whatever is going to cause the ratings to go up, then that's what we're going to put out there. And so we've all come to the place, you hear it all the time now, all media is kind of crazy these days. It's all, it's all paid for. So listen to me, listen. How much are you defined How much is your identity being determined by media, by likes, by comments, right? Now that we have salons back, we got back to selfies. You noticed that, didn't you, right? Listen to this name. Mishael is who is what God is. Listen, listen to that statement. I mean, who is, who is like God? What is, who, who can even stand next to God? Like that's another, they changed his name to, she, to uh, Meshach, which means despised, contemptible, and humiliated. Azariah, Yahweh has helped. Changed his name, Abednego, servant of Nebo. Nebo was a Babylonian God. You now serve our gods. I, d- I just want you to catch what's going on Not only in Daniel's time is what's going on with us right now. Trying to redefine an identity of who you are. Culture wants to give you a false identity. And your identity is not in your fear. I'll say this. Your identity is not in your sexuality. Your identity is not in your job. Come on, some of us struggle a little bit with our identity because we lost the job that we love. That, that, that what, that's what identified who we are. Men are terrible about that, aren't we men? We get together, hey, what do you do? Yeah, what do I, I do? Like that's, that defines like whether or not we're something. Listen, that's culture. Trying to define an identity of who you are when God has defined you, when God has given purpose, when God has given destiny and meaning to who you are and what you're supposed to be. Let me keep reading. Daniel 1.8. But Daniel resolved not to defile himself with the royal food wine, and he asked the chief officials for permission not to defile him in this way. You know what I love about that? Listen to that. Daniel asked for permission. Let me ask you a question. When you're wronged, do you still honor? I'll answer my, I'll answer. I'll answer, Mike will answer. No, I don't, I don't. Like when somebody pulls in front of me in my car, I don't go, oh, please. When that, when that person jumps past you at work and, and, and backstabs you to get the promotion, when somebody talks about you badly, when somebody gets on the gossip channel, Leesburg word of mouth, um, and, 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 and starts to talk, listen, How how do we respond? And listen to Daniel. This is the example that he gives us. He asked for permission. Listen to that thought. Here's a dude. His his, his, His city was besieged, torn down, burnt. They drag his people off, put them into slavery. And now they want him to do something. And he doesn't go, I'm not going to do that. I have rights. No, he says, hey, could I ask, is it possible do you see the honor? Listen, church, this is, this is not an easy teaching today that God gave me to teach because I've been looking in the mirror. 
If there's something that's been lost in our culture, it's the idea of honor. See, now everything is open and wide open. I was having this conversation with the chief of police just two days ago. See, social media became the outlet that would allow us to just have keyboard courage and blast whatever we wanted out there. But now that has become so common that now we're starting to do it out loud face to face. And we've lost any sense of honor because I have rights. Because I have an opinion, because I have feelings, because, yeah, but what about me, 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 me. Listen, Jesus didn't talk about me. Jesus talked about everyone else. That's, that's what we're called to do. We're called to sacrifice and give up our rights. And, and, and to be in this way, like a Daniel who would say, you know what, the situation I am in, I'm in is horrible, and yet I'm still going to choose honor. Because listen to me, respect is earned. But honor is just given. And so we honor our mother and father. We may not respect what they have done, but we honor. We may not respect our boss, but we honor. We may not respect our political leaders, listen, but we honor. Let me go there. We may not respect a different culture than ours or a different neighborhood than ours, but do we honor? Imagio Deo means image of God. Every person, every human being has been created in the image of God. I don't care how rotten and nasty they look. I stood before the police officers the other day, right as we were about to walk out to the protest. Chief gave me a couple minutes to share, and I thought, Lord, what am I going to share? You know, these guys, man, they battle it every day. And I said, you know what? I'm just going to go personal. So I told the story of my dad, and you've heard it. Some of you have heard it before. My dad was abusive. My dad was an alcoholic. My dad was a womanizer. My dad, I could go on and on and on and on and on. And I hated my dad when I was a kid. Somewhere in high school, I have no idea why. But my mother told me the story of a six-year-old Mike Matheny Sr. who came home and had misspelled his last name. And my grandfather, who was a hard and a wretched man, grabbed my dad by his hair and put him down in a tub of water and pulled him out and said, spell it. Spell it again. Spell it again. And when I heard that story, something in my heart broke because I had a new understanding of why this man was broken. And why hurt people hurt people. Can I say this to you? Everybody that we're experiencing every day. They're just coming at us with their hurt. They're just coming at us with their brokenness. And God is looking for a people that will go, you know what? I recognize brokenness. I I see it in everybody. I see it in me. I see it in everyone. But you know what I'm going to choose to do? I'm going to choose to honor What am I honoring? Am I honoring their behavior? No, that's respect. What am I honoring? I'm honoring the fact that they were created in the image of God. And while right now they have lost their identity, their identity is still in there. And I might be a part of what pulls it out. 
I might be a part of what actually puts a hand on it. And so he, here, here they want them to eat the royal food. The other thing the culture will try to do is to get you to compromise. To compromise your standards, right? Daniel 1 and 9. Now God had caused the officials to show favor and compassion to Daniel. That's kind of interesting. But the official said to Daniel, I'm afraid of my Lord the king who has assigned your food and drink. Why should he see you looking worse than the other men your age? The king would then have my head because of you. And then Daniel said to the guard, whom the chief official had appointed over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, Please test your servant for 10 days. Give us nothing but vegetables to eat. That sounds horrific to me. I, I, I'm a car, Come on, anybody carnivorous around here? Yeah, I'm a meditarian. It's a real thing. Um, give us nothing but vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then compare our appearance. This is where we get the Daniel fast, by the way. Then compare our appearance with that of the young men who eat the royal food and treat your servants and according to what you see. So he agreed and did that. You know what culture will also do? Listen to me. Culture will create a confrontation. That's something I'm not sure that we have been paying attention to or really thinking about. Culture is going to create a confrontation for you. Culture is going to bring you to a moment where you're going to have to say something, you're going to have to answer. And when culture shifts, we must respond in the right way. And you know what I see? I see us responding in two extremes. Neither one of them by themselves is right. Here's one. One is to win the argument at all costs. Right? I'm going to win the argument at all costs. I'm going to get on, and man, we're going to go through this thread on, on, on Facebook, and, and I'm just going to blast everything, and I'm going to quote scripture, and I'm going to quote all the things that their party did wrong, and then blah, 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 blah. Come on, you know what I'm talking about. And we point the finger at other people, but do we? Do we win the argument at all costs? Because you know what the cost is? people people are the cost you know the exact people that god has filled his holy spirit with you and then placed you in this place to influence those same people those are the one that but you know what the other end of the spectrum the 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 other the other side of it is is to win people at all costs in other words it's just love man just gotta love everybody love peace and happiness bro so where you got the Jerry Garcia God, right? There's like, there's a sick, if we just love everybody and it's okay, you can be whoever you want to be and, and, and it's, it's okay. You know what somebody does when they do that? Hear me on this. When we love somebody, what we're saying is that I can love them more than God loves them. Because I'm not going to hold them to God's standard, which is loving, by the way. But I'm going to love them and be grace and give and give and give. And those are our two. And and what I need you to hear is something in John 1 and 14. Look at this verse. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father. Jesus, talking about Jesus. And it says full of, what are the two words? What are they? Grace and truth. Grace and truth. Truth, grace and truth. What is truth? Truth is God's standard. Now, there's some of us that we go, yeah, God's standard. That's, this is, that's what it says, right? This is the law. What is God's standard? John 17, 17, sanctify, sanctify them by the truth. Your word is the truth. There's a standard, right? 
There's a standard somewhere in there. What is, what is the tipping point for salvation? Like, oh, look, if zero, if, if, if zero is Hitler and 100 is Jesus, where's the tipping point? Where, where you get saved? Like, where, where's the where's the tipping point? What's what's the standard? Like, is it fifty one percent? Some people call this the fifty one percent gospel. In other words, that people think, well, you know, I think they're a good person. They're probably going to make it to heaven. That's the fifty one percent gospel. You know what that mentality says? It says, when they get to heaven, God's going to pull out a scale. And he's going to put their good stuff over here and their bad stuff over here. And if their good stuff is just 51% more, they're going to make it in. That's not true. Do you know what God's standard says? The only thing is 100%. To which people go, well then, nobody makes it in. Exactly. Nobody makes it into heaven without Jesus. Covering your sins. That is God's standard. But listen to me, there's also grace. What is God's grace? It's God's favor. His favor. How many of us deserve favor? Zero. And yet he gives it freely to us, right? The same favor we're to give. Listen to Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for that. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a a reward for the good things we have done. So none of us can boast of us. None of us can brag about this, right? Let me say it to you this way. Without truth, we're corrupt. Without grace, we're worldly. Without grace, we're condemned. With grace, without grace in the church, we become judgmental. This is why the culture talks about us as hypocrites. This is why the culture talks about us as judgmental. Listen to me, what we've got to wrestle with is balance. How do I love and hold a standard? How do I look at someone and say, I believe the scripture says... That same-sex attraction is, is outside of the way God designed it. And how do I show grace at that same moment and love? How do, how do I look at someone who's, who's living together outside of marriage and going, you know, God said that's really not according to his standard, but how do I show grace at the same time? Isn't that the struggle really of, of all of us? And we, are try, we, we need so badly to ask the Holy Spirit, how, how do I get to that place where I hold a standard? How did, you know who did that the best? Jesus did it. Because Jesus was perfect, right? Would you agree with that? He was in perfection, and yet who did he hang out with? Prostitutes and sinners and tax and I mean, there's a picture in my head that if Jesus was here, I wonder what he'd be doing this morning. Like, tonight, I don't know, would Jesus go down to the Shamrock Lounge? Would Jesus head over to Birchwood and hang out with some of the guys? See this, listen, 
Something's kind of jacked up in our heads. And I'm just going to say it because it's the predominance of this room. Something's gotten kind of jacked up in white Christianity. Because it's about comfort and pretty and clean. When Jesus got his hands dirty and he found himself constantly in the middle, not taking sides, not, not jumping to conclusions. See, I, I've said it to you a million times. Truth without grace is, is, is mean, right? Truth without grace is mean. Grace without truth is meaningless. Let me add a new one for you because when you put them together, it's medicine. And what our culture needs is not just a bunch of truth. And what our culture needs is not just a bunch of grace. What our culture needs is medicine. That this is a standard, but I love you and I'll walk with you through this whole process. Right? Like, like how do we actually do that? Grace, listen to me, grace invites you to be free, but truth sets you free. You gotta have both. You gotta have both. Grace says, I know what you did, but you're still welcome. Like, let me go ahead and put this message out there. (laughs) Whoever you are, wherever you are, Lake County, Central Florida, you are welcome at Church of the Lakes, just like you are. Never forget the time the kids sat down in the middle when we were at the theater, sat down in the middle and vaped the whole time that I taught the sermon. Some of you guys were there. You know what vape looks like? It looks like a cloud. You know what I'm talking about? I was so proud that no, not one person said anything to him. Nobody looked at him. That, that, that's, that, how do we, how do we do that? And we feel this struggle. Like, am I compromising? Am I, but, but, but that's where Jesus constantly was. He was in the middle. And let me end with this band. Come back. We're going to, we're going to end a little bit differently this morning. I'm going to have the band come back up, but I want to read you a story now that I've prefaced it with all of that. And I want you to listen to the story. You probably have heard it before. But I want you to put it in play really for your, yourself and your own life. And what does God want you to hear this morning? What is the Holy Spirit saying to you? John 8 and 1 says, Jesus returned to the Mount of Olives. But early the next morning, he was back again at the temple. And a crowd soon gathered. And he sat down and he taught them. And he was speaking and the teachers and the religious law and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in the act of adultery. <laughs> it's a thought I've always had. If she was caught in the act of adultery, why were they there? <laughs> they put her in front of the crowd. Teacher. They said to Jesus, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. The law of Moses says, stone her. Here it comes. What do you say? Our culture is going to set up confrontational moments and look at you and say, what do you say? And the goal is not to just hammer them with truth. And the goal is not to water down the situation with only grace. The goal is to be Jesus. Let's see what he does. They were trying to trap him into saying something that they could use against him, right? Because if he went the whole truth route, right, then they could say, well, see, yeah, he's just like us and he wants to killed. But if, it, but if he went the grace route, then they could say, well, you're not following the law. 
They were trying to trap him to say something they could use against him. But Jesus stooped down and wrote in the dust with his finger. It's a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of ideas of what was happening in that moment. I have my own theory. Because they bring the woman and they go, here she is. What do you think? And it it says this, listen, catch, catch this. They kept demanding an answer and he stood up again and said, all right, but let the one who has never sinned throw the first stone. Then he stooped down again and wrote in the dust. Interesting. When the accusers heard this, they slipped away one by one. You picture the scene? Says, all right, any of you guys, if you hadn't hadn't sinned, you hadn't thrown any stones, go ahead. He kneels down and starts writing the sand. A lot of theory about what he was writing in the sand. I have my own. It's just a theory. Because they went away one by one, I get this picture. Jesus was writing their mistress's names. Sally. Julie. It's just a theory, but it's kind of a fun one, right? Catch what happens. They slip away one by one, beginning with the oldest, interesting, older and a little bit wiser, <laughs> younger, we're a little more fired up. Like you can see that really playing out. Till only Jesus was left in the middle of the crowd with the woman. And then Jesus stood up again and said to the woman, where are your accusers? Didn't even one of them accuse you? No, Lord, she said. And Jesus said, neither do I. Grace. Follow this. Now go and sin no more. Truth. You hear it? For us to be who God's called us to be. We've got to ask the Holy Spirit to help us be a little bit more like Jesus in bringing truth and grace. Let me ask you, do all of your posts have truth and grace? Are all of our conversations sprinkled with truth and grace? And some of you here today, if you're honest, and I'm just asking you to take your own assessment, your personal assessment right now, which one are you more likely to fall towards? Because everyone in here is likely to fall one way or the other. Got our truth people, right? This is what it says. This is the rules. This is where I... Uh. And then we got our grace people. They're like, oh, just, just love them. And I'm going to keep giving my 40-year-old a bunch of money. Yeah, I'll just throw that one out there. Come on. Like, let's, let's just be honest for a minute. Like... Which side of the spectrum do I fall more on, truth or grace? And Holy Spirit, would you help me to apply more of the other to my life and, and so that I can be healthier balanced in my relationship and the people that I interact with? Does that, make, does that make sense to anybody this morning? See, that Daniel learned to make a difference in his culture because he didn't compromise, but he was liked. <laughs> right? Like there, there is a way that you can be kind and loving. And yet hold a standard. There, there is a way that, and, and it's, and it's the Jesus way. It's, it's the way that we go, I've got to consider that I'm truth person. And you know what most truth people have a problem with? Anger. I'm just going to blast it out, make me feel much better. And one of most people that grace, 
What, what, what is the struggle there? A lot of it has to do with self-image. A lot of it has to do with people-pleasing. I just want people to like me. I just want to make, I don't want anybody to be upset with me. Come on. How, how do we do this better, church? I'm challenging you today. I'm challenging you today for you to really consider. How do, how, how do I do this differently? How do I really show truth and grace, truth and grace, truth and love? How do I love but not compromise who I am? How, how do I say, You're, I, I love you, I want to be your friend, but this is what God's truth says? And not feel defensive. Let me help the truth people. Guess what? God doesn't need you to defend him. He's a big boy. He can handle it. You know what I'm saying? So instead of us plowing everybody with our truth and our opinion, you know how much your opinion is worth? About as much as your belly button lit. Come on. So before we do that, God, listen to me. God never called us to be right. When did the church decide that our job was to be right? God never called us to be right. He called us to be effective. To be effective is to to bring grace and love and a compassion into a situation that says, I don't condemn you. Now, go and sin no more. Does Does that make sense to anybody this morning? And I'm just asking, what I've been praying for the last several days as I was preparing to present this to you. And I, I know, I know this is hard and I know it's hot. Like today church is kind of a struggle. And you know why? Because the enemy does not want you to hear this. The enemy does not want your heart to heal and for you to have deliverance that comes inside of you so that you can be a better example when you walk out those doors. Because what we're doing here today is just a gathering. What we'll do tomorrow is either be the church or a bad representation thereof. My concern, my heart, my, as your pastor, man, I, I want you to go and love and hold up truth and love and hold up truth and take all the responsibility of the results off of your shoulders and understand that's God's business, right? That if we will just hold up truth, this is what God's word said. I'm going to live it. I'm going to be obedient. I'm not going to compromise, but I'm going to love you because you're made in the image of God. And just like one day somebody had to love me when I was, oh my gosh, does anybody remember what you used to be? Come on, somebody. Why did somebody love you then? Why did somebody love me then? Grace. Grace. That we would give God's grace. Now, here's the challenge. I asked the band to come up. They're going to sing a song in a second. We're going to end today with a song called The Blessing. This song is actually a song you sing over someone else. This is, this is, this is a song that you sing about them, that I want God to bless you and bring favor to you and to your next generation and the generation after that. I'm going to challenge you to do something this morning. Who's your enemy? Who have you been ranting about on Facebook? (laughs) Is it a Democrat? Is it a Republican? 
set a K agenda, abortion, black community, cops, all this division. And I'm going to challenge you to do something in just a moment. We're going to sing this song. And I'm going to challenge you to sing this song over those people this morning. When God's people will get past our own hurts and our own frustrations and our own grudges and our own unforgiveness. I'll just tell you, I sang this song. I sang this song yesterday over some neighborhoods and some concepts and some people in my life. That my heart was not right yesterday. and God broke my heart for those people. And that's what I want God to do to you today. Does that make sense? So who's your enemy? Who is it that you've chosen to set yourself in and trench in over here? Or who is it that you've given so much grace that you've decided you love them more than God and you haven't given them any truth? Stand to your feet, church. Stand to your feet. Let's sing this song. And I want you to think of those people that God would have you blessed today that, listen to me, you might feel hate for. You might feel aggression towards. You might feel all kinds of things. But would you sing this with purity? Listen, it's one thing to say pray for someone. You go, all right, I'll pray for them. I pray they get bed bugs. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about praying a blessing. Does that make sense? Close your eyes. Holy Spirit, who is it? Who is it that my heart has to get right with? Is it a color? Is it a worldview? Is it a concept, a people group? A family member? Heal our hearts, God, as we sing this over them today. pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with the power through his spirit and your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure with all the fullness of God. Ephesians 16, verses Ephesians 3, verse 16 through 19. Scripture says, God knows us before we were even formed in the womb. Proverbs 22, 6 says, Train a child up in the way that he should go, and when he goes old, he will never depart from it. So even before your child is born or thought of, speak over that. Speak your life into them. Speak God's life into them over and over. When they're just toddling along, speak it over them they will remember it and they will never forget it and the song it says may his favor be upon you for a thousand generations and their family and their children and their children's children so we've been called to leave a legacy dear God We give you glory and honor for all that you are doing in our lives every day. In the times that we can't see or understand your ways, shine your light on us, through us, and over us. 
May we make a difference in this world for you and your glory. Set your way before us. All of your plans succeed if we do them in your name. May we reflect your peace and hope to the world that is so desperately in need of it. Thank you, God, that your ways and your thoughts are so much greater than ours. And you had a plan to redeem and make all things new. Your face is towards the righteous. You hear our prayers and you know our hearts. You reign supreme. We are more than conquerors through the gift of Christ. You are holy and just. Help us to follow not the voices of the crowd, but to press close and hear your whispers. We will declare that your love stands firm and forever, and your love and kindness endures forever. And we pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Sing it over him today. Come on.
Jesus today. We raise up those that you have that you have called us to reach today, God, that we might serve and love. God, as we go out today, that we might be your people and serve those around us, God. We might put down our own pride and our own struggles and opinions and desire to win, God. Heal us. Heal my heart. That I might be more like you, Jesus. Sing this over your community today. Your sphere of influence, your workplace today. Those that God has put around you. Come on, sing it over. May His favor be upon you in a thousand generations. And your family and your children and their children and their children. May His favor be upon you in a thousand generations and your family and your children and their children and their children. May His presence go before you. God, that you might rise a new standard here in Leesburg and Central Florida. God, that we would raise generations that serve and know and love you. Help us, God, to rise up and be the church you have called us to be, to love, to bring truth and grace to this community, God. Empower us, God. that our community needs to hear, right? He is for you. That is the calling on each and every one of us today as we walk out of here today. Right? 
He's for you. That means I'm for you. That means you're for every person that comes across your path today. That means every person who posts some crazy junk. Listen, he's for them. So how can you be for them? Truth and grace. Truth and grace. Father, thank you for this word today. Now empower us, Holy Spirit, to go live it. It's one thing to have an emotional moment. It's another thing to put it into play. For those of us who lean on truth, give us grace. For those of us who lean on grace, give us truth. Now empower us to go and be who you've called us to be, to serve, love, and change a community. Thank you, God, for this day. Thank you for your Holy Spirit empowering us to go and be who you've called us to be. Pray it all in Jesus' name and all God's people said. Well, we had church. How about now we go be church? Amen. See you guys next week. Come to Life Steps. We'll be in Life Steps in just a bit.